Welcome to the official podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse. We'd like to thank you for listening today. We pray this message blesses you and encourages you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. Great to see everybody on Happy Thursday. That's the only thing happy about it, it's Thursday. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Well, we're on Lesson 6. Uh, next week will be Lesson 7, and we'll complete um, the series next week. Amen. So we're excited about that. Uh, let's, uh, let's pray uh, for uh, Rachel's family. They're having a service tomorrow uh, at 10 a.m. It's over at um, Chapel of Memories in Norwalk, a 10 a.m. viewing and 12 noon service, uh, if anybody can make it. Let's just pray for them, uh, and uh, let's pray for um, uh, Paul Brewer Jr. for strength and for guidance for, from the Lord, amen, and let's just pray for the word of the Lord to touch us tonight. God, we love you and we praise you in the name of Jesus, Lord. We thank you, Lord God. Bless this service tonight, Lord. Let the word of God strengthen us, I pray. And, Lord, move in the name of Jesus. God, we pray, Lord, touch Rita's family. Uh, Amen. And strengthen all of them and bless them, Lord. Rachel, her husband, the kids, uh, Rita's sisters, Rita's sons, in Jesus' name, and their family and their kids. In the name of the Lord, we pray for, uh, for Paul Brewer, Lord, that you would touch him, God. Give him strength, Lord. Let him see the hope that you have for him. And bless him in Jesus' name. We love you and we praise you. And everybody... Praise the Lord right now and thank God for answering prayer. Praise God. Amen, amen. You may be seated. All right, we're, uh, we're on the lesson six. It's called the pure language. The pure language. And I've got several verses to give out. We're going to read, uh, if, if, we, if you all turn to Acts chapter two, we're going to read a few verses in there first. Uh, and then I want to give a, f- a few verses out um, and uh, you probably only have to read uh, multiple times, if you don't mind, uh, since we have a smaller crew today. Uh, so, uh, Emily, good to see you. If you could get 1 Corinthians 13, 1. 1 Corinthians 13, 1. And everybody put your fingers in Acts chapter 2. Renee, John 3, 8. All hands on deck. Um, amen. John 3, 8. Vanessa, Mark 16, 17. Mark 16, 17, and Arlene, Acts 10, 44 through 46. Acts 10, 44 through 46. Would you like to read? Thank you. We could sure use the help. 1 Corinthians 14, 32. 1 Corinthians 14, 32. And Mary, Acts 2, 4. And Terry, 1 Corinthians 13, Verses 8 through 10. And when, I, when we read that, I'm going to have you read 8 and then pause and then we'll read 9 and 10. So 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8 through 10 is Terry. Okay. Amen. So our, our theme verse for the whole series is Proverbs 18, 21. We just go over it. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's, that's the overlying message and how important it is. And how every, uh, every one of these lessons is based on that. So in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord 
in one place. Now, just kind of put in the back of your mind that one accord um, for uh, toward the end of the lesson. Uh, now, the day of Pentecost was basically the word Pentecost. That's where we get the word Pentecostal. The word Pentecost simply means 50. It's a compound word that means, uh, you know, five tens, basically. Um, uh, penta is five, and costi is ten, times ten, so it's fifty. And penta, the, the feast, it's based on a feast of Pentecost that was exactly fifty days from the day Jesus resurrected. Amen. So fifty days from the, his resurrection was the feast of Pentecost, which Jesus chose, God chose to pour the Spirit out for the first time. Amen. So if we continue reading in Acts chapter 2, verse 2, uh, they were up in there, one cord, one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So that word all means the 120 people that were up there. There were the apostles, there was the mother of Jesus, there was uh, Mary Magdalene and several other of the key followers of Jesus up there. Now, that, that cloven tongue, now cloven, is, it means divided. Like when you hear, like if an animal has a cloven hoof, that means it has a, a split in its hoof. Um, and uh, so divided tongues just means when the Spirit poured out on the 120, they spoke in different tongues. They didn't all speak in the same the same dialect or language. They were all speaking in cloven, divided, different tongues. Amen. Um, and now, remember, speaking in tongues is the sign and the evidence that always accompanies somebody being filled with the Holy Ghost, receiving the gift of the Spirit, uh, the baptism of the Spirit, all the same uh, thing we're talking about. And, and we're going to cover three points tonight regarding the pure language. And first point is, it is a language. Amen. Speaking in tongues is not gibberish. Now, somebody might hear it for the first time. Man, that sounds like gibberish. Because I know that, I, I talk to that person all the time, and they speak English, you know, pretty good. And that sounds like gibberish. It's not gibberish. It's actually a language according to the Bible. We're going to read two more verses in Acts chapter 2. And that will be uh, uh, it for the, the general uh, starting of Acts. Uh, two. And verse 5 said, And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded, because every man heard them speak in his own language. So the 120 were not only speaking in tongues as the Spirit filled them, but they spoke in languages that the people that, were, that heard the commotion in this upper room that were at this feast and you got to understand that the feast, the people that were Jewish that were from all these other countries, they would come to these few feasts that happened every year, and they would all come to Jerusalem. So they spoke not only Hebrew, but they spoke in the tongue that, you know, if, you know if, where they lived. If they came from Rome, they spoke Latin. If they came from somewhere else, they spoke something else. You know, if they came from, uh, from Persia, they spoke Persian. Amen. And they heard all these languages that they were used to from their home countries. Amen. So, so speaking in tongues was, it was a, it's a language. Uh, read 1 Corinthians 13.1. So, so Paul said, 
that when, when, when people speak in tongues, they're speaking in the tongues of men or of angels. So when we say the tongues of men, we're talking about all the languages and dialects on this earth are the tongues of men, right? And did you know that uh, nobody really knows exactly how many languages and dialects there are? They got a good idea, but they're still discovering. They, they'll find some little remote little pocket of people off in some remote jungle somewhere and in New Guinea or in the Amazon or something, and uh, they'll, they'll, they'll find a new, new language. But they know there's over 7,000 languages and dialects spoken on earth. Amen. And when a person speaks in tongues, it'll be a language or a dialect from somewhere on earth or an, an, an angelic dialect. Who knows? Because he said, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. Amen. So, uh, you know, there was uh, years ago uh, one of our missionaries in Africa and uh, just doing a good work over there, trying to reach people. And uh, he had a visiting minister from the United States, a pastor, coming just to, you know, visit and see how things were going. And they, had, they were in an in a awesome service, and the altar call was called, and a young a little African girl came to the altar, and, and just down there praying. And uh, this, this visiting minister uh, came, and he was just praying for different ones at the altar. He came to this young little girl, and he put his hand on her and started praying for her, and she just began to praise God. You know, and he understood completely because he, he's from the United States and he's, you know, spoke English and she was just praising him in English and he didn't think anything of it. And, you know, he was just, wow, this is great. And she's praising God and you know, I hope she gets the Holy Ghost or whatever. And then, you know, just moves on down. And then uh, the past, the missionary saw that and heard that. And then after the service said, you know, that little girl that you were praying for? Um, yeah. You know that she doesn't know one word of English? So she received the Holy Ghost speaking in English. And so, you know, it's powerful. And sometimes God will speak through people to, you know, to praise the Lord. Like some, there, I've heard so many stories of visiting people from, uh, you know, what, you know their, their second language is English. And they're in a church service and somebody's speaking in tongues over here and they're speaking their first language you know, and saying, God is great, and God is awesome, and, you know, and they go up and say, this person was just speaking in my, you know, do they know, you know, um, you know, the language of where I came from, and no, they're just, you know, well, God was talking to me, saying how awesome he was, so it's powerful, amen. Now, there are several myths about speaking in tongues, so let's talk about those myths, because some of these myths cause confusion, some of them cause fear, they cause people to be scared of speaking in tongues or receiving the Holy Ghost. So myth number one is speaking in tongues is optional to the Christian believer. That is a myth. And because we're talking about what the Bible said. Read John 3 verse 8. So you hear the sound of the wind and he's comparing the wind to the spirit. And everyone that's born of the spirit, you'll hear a sound. Amen. Read Mark sixteen seventeen. Amen. These signs shall follow those that believe. And read Acts 10, 44 through 46. Amen. All right, so here's Peter. He was called over to Cornelius' house, who was a Gentile, non-Jewish uh, centurion that had a good heart but still needed to be saved. And while he was preaching, the altar wasn't even, call wasn't even called, you know, the Holy Spirit fell on the group. 
him and his family that was there. And Peter had a few people that were there with him that had the Holy Ghost that were part of his little team. And, you know, and they were astonished because they didn't think that God wanted anybody but Jews to be saved. So they were astonished that, you know, that, that they, and how, how did they know that they got the Holy Ghost? For they heard them speak with tongues. For, because they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. It's a universal sign and an evidence that someone has received the Holy Ghost. The second myth is you start speaking your new language fluently beginning the first day you're born of the Spirit. But that's, that's not true. Like when we first receive the Holy Ghost and, and, and begin to speak in tongues, it's something that develops over time as we pray more and worship God. Amen. Think about it. You know, uh, the first thing the Holy Spirit changes when we receive him in our heart based on Acts 2 and other places is our tongue. But it's a partnership that we have to cooperate with him and the process takes time. You know, if you learn a second language, you don't, you're not fluent with it you know, the, the, the first day you start. Or when we're born, you know, we, you know we, when we have our little kids and they start saying, you know, goo goo gaga and stuff or whatever, and we're like, oh, isn't that so cute? Yeah, that's gibberish. But it's, it's not because we understand that's their, you know, now when they're, you know, eight years old and they're still sucking on a pacifier and they're saying goo goo gaga, then there's a problem. Amen. But, uh, so that's the thing. So, um, you know, you know, God, uh, God helps us. Amen. And it's, it's, uh, we learn as we, as we practice, you know, practice makes perfect. Not that we're practicing, but I'm saying the more that when you use it, amen. Because if you don't use it, you lose it. You don't use your muscles, you know, they atrophy and you got to learn how to walk again. If you're laid up in the hospital too long, it's, we have to use this gift. Amen. And, and uh, it's beautiful. That's what we're talking about tonight, the pure language. Amen. And so uh, myth number three is you can't control it. Read 1 Corinthians 14, 32. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. In other words, you can control it. Remember, it's a cooperation. You know, I think some people are so afraid. Yeah, I'm going to be standing in line at Ralph's supermarket and it's going to be my time to pay. And they're going to say, you know, $39.52. And I'm going to just go, you know, just going to go out and I'll go, oh, I'm sorry. I just couldn't control it. You know, I mean, sometimes it, that's what somebody needs, maybe. Maybe the checkout person needed to hear that, you know. <laughs> but it could freak them out, too. But, no, you can control it. And sometimes people control it too much. Amen. Uh, myth number four, you will always feel something when, you, when speaking in tongues. That's not true. Amen. We walk by faith and not by sight. The just shall live by faith. You know, we don't always feel something when we praise God and worship God, do we? Or we wouldn't do it all the time. But I do it anyway. And then eventually I'm going to feel something. Amen. Do we always feel something when we give our tithes and offerings? Lord, you know, whatever. No. Do we always feel something when we pray in our, in our native tongue? When I'm praying in, you know, English, do I feel something? Not always. Do we always feel something when we come to church? No, sometimes I've got to drag my carcass here. But I know it's the best place to come. Myth number five, speaking in tongues can be taught. Amen. No, it can't. Read Acts 2, verse 4. Amen. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them the ability. Amen. We were not taught this. We're born into the church. 
Praise God. Let me give a few more verses out. Uh, Emily, 1 Corinthians 14, 18. 1 Corinthians 14, 18. Uh, Renee, 1 Corinthians 14, 39. 1 Corinthians 14, 39. Vanessa, 1 Corinthians 14, 2 and 14, 4. So 14, 2 and 4. And we're probably going to pause in between those two verses. Uh, and Arlene... 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14 and 15. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14 and 15. And, babe, Romans 8, 26 and 27. We need everybody. Romans 8, 26 and 27. And Mary, Ephesians 6, 16 through 18. And that's Ephesians 6, 16 through 18. And Terry, Jude, uh, one, well, there's only one chapter, verse 20, Jude, verse 20. All right, the sixth and the last myth is, and it's one of the biggest and most dangerous myths of all, is that speaking in tongues ceased with the apostles. So anybody that speaks in tongues today is doing it demonically. That's like, whoa. That's like a flip of the coin. Because, you know, there's, there's so much mystery, there's so much mystery, misunderstanding, and fear that people have about speaking in tongues that, that actually entire theological persuasions and entire church organizations that believe and teach that the, the tongues have ceased and that anybody that speaks in tongues today, it's not of God, even though it's in the Bible. Amen. I'll tell you a part of my little testimony, a little part of my testimony, um, you know, I used to go to another church before I came to this persuasion, this, this belief, and, um, and I, I switched and came here because I felt, hey, this is, this is better, you know, when I find something better, don't you, when you find something better, it's like, hey, I'm going to start buying that, because, you know, why am I going to buy this, when this is better, you know, if, if only, if only, if, there was only hamburgers in the world. I would love them. That's great. Praise God. And then someone said, hey, you know there's steak too? Okay. Going to steak. Because it's better. Amen. And, and I left that church. And I was very involved with that church. And I left that church. Well, the pastor was on vacation when I left. And then he called me. And he had me come and meet him in his office. And I'll never forget. He sat down and he said, he goes, uh, he started talking to me. We talked about, you know, the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues. And he said, well, you know that speaking in tongues ceased with the apostles. So that's of the devil if you're speaking in tongues. And I just, my eyes got really big. And I was a new, brand new guy with the Spirit of God. And, and it, it kind of, like, hurt me a little bit. And I'm like, oh, well, what, what am I getting myself into? Am I in the wrong thing? But, but no, I knew it wasn't. So there's, there's actually, there was a lot of people that believed this. And that's... That's sad because they're shooing people away from what God has because it's a pure language. It's for everybody, and God wants us to have it. Amen. Read 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8. Amen. So this is what they use, this verse, whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Yeah, tongues are going to cease someday. That's true. I agree with that. But it also says that in the same verse that prophecies shall fail and that knowledge shall vanish away. So because that prophecy hasn't failed yet, 
and knowledge hasn't vanished away, tongues have not ceased yet either. Because, you know, we, when we read the next two verses, this is, where, this is what helps us understand when this is going to happen. Read 9 and 10. See, right now, we're down here. We're fighting the fight of faith. We know in part. We prophesy in part. We need the Holy Ghost. We need tongues. We need prayer. We need praise. We need fasting. We need everybody. We need the whole kit and caboodle. Amen. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. Amen. That which is perfect hasn't come yet. That is when Jesus wraps this all up. When we become perfect, when we, we when corruptible puts on incorruption and mortal puts on immortality, the rapture of the church, and we when we go to heaven, Amen. So that which is perfect has not come, and even Apostle Paul told everybody several things about this. Read First Corinthians fourteen eighteen. Amen. More than you all. Thank my God I speak in tongues more than you all. Paul said, I'm encouraging everybody to get involved with this. Read First Corinthians fourteen thirty nine. Amen. She said, forbid not to speak with tongues, you know, let alone say it's of the devil. Maybe, and that's what they were telling, talking about Jesus. They said he casts out demons by Beelzebub. In other words, you know, he's saying, he, they were saying that he, by the power of Satan, Jesus is casting out Satan. And he said, no, any kingdom divided against itself shall not stand. You know, he goes, I'm not casting out Satan, you know, demons by Satan. Amen. I'm doing it by the power of God. I cast out demons by the finger of God, he said. Amen. So forbid not to speak in tongues. The second point tonight is, it is a language of the Spirit. It's a language of the Spirit. Read 1 Corinthians 14.2. So when we speak in tongues, you know, unless it's interpreted, which that's, you know, a whole other thing we're not going to talk about tonight. But, you know, talking about just tongues as an individual experience for in our prayers and worship and as an ongoing sign of the indwelling spirit. Amen. You know, it's, it, you know, it's not unto men. You speak unto God. We don't, I don't know what I'm saying. Nobody does. For no man understandeth, how be it in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Amen. We're speaking in the spirit. It's a spiritual language. And speaking in tongues is a blessing to the believer. It lifts you up. It encourages you. And it strengthens you. you should put, turn the pulpit like right here because it's just you guys. Amen. Read 1 Corinthians uh, uh, 14.4 now. So he that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself, builds himself up, strengthens herself up. Amen. Amen. It's a language of the Spirit. Read 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14 and 15. So here he's talking about, hey, you know what can enhance your prayer life? Praying in the Spirit. Praying in the language of the Spirit. Because he said, if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays. Amen. And my understanding is unfruitful. So what is it then? I'll pray with the spirit. In other words, with, with not my understanding, I'll pray in, 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 a, in a pure language. And then I'll also pray with my understanding also. So I'll pray with what I, I know, and I'll pray with what I don't know in the, in the spirit. And then he talked about singing in the spirit and with my understanding also. And so that's talking about, uh, you know, singing is worship and praising. So those are the two times, many times where the, the, the speaking in tongues comes to play a lot, comes to pass, is in praise and worship and prayer. Amen. So just encouraging you today that this is, this is like for everybody. Amen. And uh, it, it praying in the Spirit is an entirely different dimension and depth of prayer 
that we can get into, amen, beyond just uh, what we understand and what, what we can speak with our own language. It's been referred to as a prayer language. Read Romans chapter 8, 26 and 27. I think I know what I should pray about, but when I pray with my understanding, it only, I only pray what I think, you know. Well, I got my prayer list, and, and that's good. These are the people that are really concerning me, and I got to pray for them. These are the situations I'm praying for. This is, you know, my, the health I'm praying for or whatever. Amen. Uh, but he's saying that uh, it helps our, our inadequacies, our infirmities, when we, we don't know how we should pray as we ought. But the Spirit makes intercession for us. Amen. When we pray in the Spirit, and He that searches the hearts and the mind of the Spirit, because He makes the intercession uh, for the saints according to the will of God. So sometimes we don't know what we're praying for, but God's, you know, we're, we're doing something in the Spirit in that, in that pure language. Read, you know, um, we, you know, Ephesians 6 talks about the whole armor of God, the helmet of salvation. Amen. The feet shod with the go- preparation of the gospel of peace, the loins girt about with truth, the blessed breastplate of righteousness, and the sword of the spirit, and the shield of faith, and all that good stuff. You remember that? Well, let's let's read a, a little bit about it. not the whole thing, but there's a verse in there that talks about this that actually is part of our armor that people don't connect it with the armor verses. Read uh, Ephesians six sixteen through eighteen. Amen. So the transition. So this this verse eighteen is a continuation. In fact, the end of verse 17 has a colon. Now, I know there was, there was no punctuation in the original Greek and Hebrew, but the translators added it in because they, they kind of knew how it was. There actually was no uh, verse, verse and chapter um, you know, definition, you know, designations either. They kind of put those in as they saw, but they continued this on because, you know, along with the shield of faith, and the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. So praying in that pure language and perseverance and supplication is part of our armor, even though verse 18 is typically not included and read with the armor of God. Read Jude 1, verse 20. Amen. Praise God. Let me give three more verses out, and, and, and that'll come complete it. So, um, uh, Emily, Genesis 11, verse 1, and then verses 5 through 7. And then Renee, Zephaniah 3, 9. Since you haven't heard of Zephaniah too much, we thought we'd read one out of there. Zephaniah 3, verse 9, and Vanessa, Acts 2, verse 1. We're going to repeat that one again. Acts 2, verse 1. So, uh, Terry just read, Be ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Amen. That's praying in the Spirit. Could it be that we might be losing some battles because we're not building up ourselves uh, by praying in the Spirit? Could it be we're losing some battles because we're not putting on the whole armor of God, which is praying with all pre- pre- uh, you know, perseverance and supplication in the Spirit? And uh, could, it, could it be that... You know, is it possible that we're losing some battles because we're not allowing our spirit to pray and we're only allowing our understanding to pray? Because remember, Ephesians 6.11 instructs us, put on the whole armor of God and you'll be able to stand against the enemy. The whole armor. And our last point tonight is it's a pure language. It's a pure language. So it's a language, it's a language of the spirit, and it's a pure language. Read Genesis 11, 
verse 1, and then skip to 5 verse seven, through 7. So that was Nimrod that was kind of the leader of the group. This was shortly, this was not too long after uh, Noah's flood and the whole situation. And, uh, you know, it, it, they, uh, tradition and history says that Nimrod, they wanted to build this tower because we're not going to get stuck in a flood ever again. We're not going to let God do this to us. We're going to build a tower up to heaven. Some say that he wanted to build a tower all the way up there and give God what for, maybe. But that tower wasn't a nice tower. It, it was a tower of Babel, which is the root of Babylon. And Babylon, the spirit and the attitude of Babylon, came out of that whole mess. And, and he built that tower. And God came down and said, hmm, that's a pretty nice little tower they got going there. Yeah. But notice he said, they're all of one language, amen, and this people is one. They're all unified. And even though they're unified for evil, and they're unified for rebellion, and they're unified for, for arrogance and pride, they still have, they, they're going to be able to do what they've imagined to do. Because, you know, God just created that in us, to, you know, that we have a lot in us. Amen. And so he said, I'm going to have to confound. And this is where he confounded the languages. And this is the Bible explanation for all the, the, Anglo, the languages uh, to begin in the world. Because they all spoke one language. So up until, from Adam and Eve to Noah, and up until this time, everybody spoke whatever language that was. It was one language. And this is where God, you know, scattered the people and the languages. You know, because here we all, you know, hey, Mac, all right, pass me that brick. Okay, here, give me some of that cement. Okay, let's start. And all of a sudden, God goes, boom. And they're like, I don't know, whatever they were doing. And, you know, it's like, huh? What's wrong with you? And then, you know, they're hearing themselves like, I'm not even speaking right. And it was like a miraculous. So they, they probably all, you know, started gravitating. And maybe a couple of them started hearing something that sounded like, hey, this must be our new language. And they, and they all kind of gathered together and just went in little groups. And they're like, all right, we, we're not in one language. Even though we imagine to do evil, we can't do it now because we aren't, we're not together. We're not in one accord anymore. So the people on the earth at the time were using the power of their one language and speech for evil, and, and God said there was nothing that they imagined would be restrained from them, even like that. But they were speaking words of death, amen, not words of life. So God confounded it. How much more can we as God's children do with pure language that he gives us with our imagination, our desires, our dreams, and our expectations when we're all on the same page? Read Zephaniah 3, verse 9, amen. I'm going to restore a pure language. So there, maybe, maybe there was a pure language in the beginning before Adam and Eve fell. Amen. But I'm going to restore a pure language so that they'll be able to call on the name of the Lord and serve him with one accord. Remember I told you to remember one accord. Amen. So read Acts 2.1 again. That's our last verse. So they were all with one accord in one place. They were praying. They, 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 they were going to be endued with power from on high and the Holy Ghost fell. And that church just blazed out of there. And great things happened. And that first day, they got 3,000 people added to the church. What a revival, one day. It, and it was all because they were in one accord with a pure language now. God had changed their tongue. Amen. And when we all begin to partake of that one pure language that God gives us, nothing that we've imagined will be restrained from us 
when, when, if, according to his will and to further his kingdom. There's only one pure language, and that's the one that God wants every believer to receive and partake in. Because, you know, in every language and dialect, there's profanity and, uh, and you know, cursing and evil speaking in every single language on earth, except for one, and that's the one from, that God gives us. Amen. So I just want to encourage every one of us, amen, to want to not be afraid of this, not be like, I wonder what this is, whatever, and just say, Lord, I, I see it in the Bible. It's not of the devil. I want this, amen. Every believer, and, you know, if this is going to help me go into a different level in prayer, we're coming up on the, you know, the finale of another year, and, Lord, I just want to, I want to, Finish strong and look forward. If you, if you're, if we're still around for 2020, Amen. That we would just go into 2020 with all the whole armor of God and every tool in the toolkit that God wants us to have. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? What an incredible message! Thank you again for joining us on the podcast, and may God bless you.